okay, Orange County, we've got our ballots. It's time to vote. Please go to our website, ocballotguide.com. It's in the show notes, but it's ocballotguide.com. Share it with everyone you know, help inform voters, and let's elect great candidates to serve our community and take us in the right direction. ocballotguide.com. Return your ballots, drop them in a mailbox, put them in the mail, or vote at a vote center. June 7th is the deadline. Return those ballots, ocballotguide.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome to a slice of orange. I'm Jody Balma, and uh, today I'm closing out my candidate series for the June 2022 election. If you've missed any of our past episodes, you'll have some time to catch up. Um, make sure you listen to all three parts of our Orange County Ballot Guide before you return your ballots. And of course, you can find all that information on ocballotguide.com. Um, I'll be back after the election to go over the results and give you a preview of what you're going to see on your November ballot, which races have gone to a runoff and which races have been decided in June. Um, I so appreciate all of you who have listened, gotten to know your ballot better, and learned more about some of the public servants entering the arena by running for office. Um, today, I'm talking to Rick Foster, candidate for Orange County Assessor. That's not an office that's well known, and all too often in Orange County, it's uh, we've had office holders who haven't done much beyond the bare minimum of the job. Um, Rick Foster has extensive experience in, in housing and real estate. Um, and he's got other plans for the office. He talks about advocating for changes from the banks to make housing more affordable and available for first-time buyers, upgrading the software, um, which seems antiquated uh, at best, um, introducing transparency, really opening the doors of this assessor's office to invite the community in and to be transparent with about what's happening in the office. Um, he also um, passes on advice from one of my favorite White House press secretaries, Pierre Salinger, who served for both Kennedy and Lyndon Baines Johnson. Um, Rick shares about the work he's done internationally to help with the most vulnerable LGBTQ plus refugees find safety with the You Are Safe Here program, um, one that I hope we can broaden uh, to more parts of Orange County. Uh, he is really an advocate for equity and accessibility, transparency, and integrity. Uh, and, and he's definitely somebody I support for Orange County Assessor and hope you do too. So let's get started. Welcome to a Slice of Orange. I'm here with Rick Foster, who's a candidate for Orange County Assessor. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with the office you're running for. What is a county assessor and why do you want the job? Well, I'm running for the Orange County Assessor. And um, for the last 40 years, I've been working in the housing and mortgage industries. And for the past 30 of those 40 years, I've been working closely with Orange County Housing Authority to help provide permanent homes for our veterans, our at-risk senior citizens, and survivors of domestic violence transitioning from shelters into permanent housing. But before that, right out of college, I started working for Security Pacific National Bank and First American Title. And in doing my work there, my job was to correct mistakes that were made at the assessor's office, that we would call them clouds on title or blemishes on the title. And my job was to research those and correct those. So for the past 40 plus years, I've been working you know, with the assessor's office in my field of work, 
And now it's just a natural transition uh, for me to run for the office. And I want to give back to the community, which my family has been calling our home for five generations here in Orange County. Wow. Five generations. Five generations. Wow. Okay. So I, I got to ask what brought the, 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 the original uh, family to Orange County? Five generations ago. Yeah, my family was um, builders, uh, plasters, laborers. Um, So they came here when they moved to Garden Grove and they started in the uh, home building trade. So they were, you know, my my great uncles and my great grandfather. My great grandfather was a contractor, uh, framer, mostly framing. And then all of his children were mostly in plaster. And so my, and then, my grandmother's side, they were all plasters and painters. Um, so five generations building homes, working for labor um, here in Orange County. Wow. So so housing just is in your blood. In my blood. Absolutely. We, yeah. I, you know, Yes, absolutely in my blood. That's great. So tell us more about what the county assessor does. Okay. So the county assessor is actually just has one job, and that is to assess the values of the $700 billion in assets of Orange County. And that is comprised of everything from Disneyland, from amusement parks, aviation, which is airplanes, uh, maritime vessels, assets, uh, dwellings such as your home, apartment buildings, commercial dwellings, as well as manufacturing plants and commercial um, enterprises, including um, stores and shopping centers. So the assessor's job is to manage the three to 400 employees that are responsible for appraising those values. And then the assessor puts those valuations on an assessment roll and then transfers it to the tax collector for the tax collector to then apply the California tax code and then send out your tax bill. Okay. So your website says you want to bring democratic values to the assessor's office with a capital D. Yes, absolutely. Um, so what and does that mean? Yeah, let me. These are, so, these are nonpartisan offices that were allowed. Absolutely. Nonpartisan office. However. It feels like it's kind of a management job, right? Uh, it is. Let me, uh, let me explain. Let me start with. So if, if we believe in the ideal that our nation was founded on fair taxation, that's why we had the Boston Tea Party. So if we believe fair taxation was the foundation of our country, then fair taxation must be the pillar to our democracy. And if we believe that, then the assessor is the cornerstone to that democracy, because without fair and accurate assessment, we cannot have fair taxation. So the assessor's role is actually very important to make sure that it's fair, that it's accurate and transparent. And that's what I mean by democratic values. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, there should not be, you know, behind the scene deals that are made. There should not be, you know, somebody lobbying the assessor to get a better break on their assessment, which then would equate to their taxes. It should all be transparent, fair, And the assessor's job should be one that does everything in the assessor's power to make sure that there is that transparency, the integrity, and the, um, you know, just to make sure that everybody knows how their taxes were derived and how their assessment value was derived. Um, So how would you do that? 
Okay, so right now, our current assessor doesn't believe in technology. He doesn't even allow his employees to have email because um, he doesn't want that paper trail. So the, the software at the assessor's office is antiquated at best. I met a gentleman a few months ago at a rally, and he was telling me that he worked for IBM, and he sold the software to the county assessor of Orange County in 1992, and he doesn't believe that the software has been updated since. Now, oh, I'm not wow. an assessor. Yeah, so I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard this from multiple sources. So um, one of the things that I want to do is I want to upgrade the software. I've looked closely at what Jeffrey Prang in Los Angeles has done in the assessor's office, and I want to duplicate what he's done using that new software that helps make the appraiser's job easier, but not only makes the job easier, but makes it more accurate with less um, opportunity for human error. And it's the human error that really mm -hmm. is causes the, the, the mistakes that sometimes, you know, then the end result of that is an assessment appeal, which is very stressful, time consuming and costly to the uh, to the county, sure. but not to say the least to the to the consumer. Um, what I want to do is I want to partner with local community colleges and universities to offer municipal appraisal courses so that we have a better pool of employee candidates. So before someone says, hey, I'm going to go apply for a job, a good paying you know, job at the county, at the county assessor's office, I'm going to go take this course and I'm going to be better prepared as a, as a candidate applying for a job at the assessor's office. Don't so you I know want that it's available, right? I mean, that's but, one of the problems that, that a lot of my students at, at Fullerton College don't even know that kind of job is available. Don't, right. don't know that it's an, a possibility. Exactly. And that's what the other part that I want to do is public outreach. So not only partnering with the colleges, but also to have public outreach to let people know what the assessor does. Let people know how the assessments roles are, are created, okay. how the property assessments are done, and also help get a better quality candidate coming to work at the assessor's office rather than taking, you know, field appraisers out of the field to train a new hire that's fresh off the streets. Let's have somebody who's already somewhat prepared through the local colleges. Um, those are some of the things that I want to do. Um, public outreach, better technology, and partnering with the, with the local uh, colleges and universities. I think those three things just in itself will help make the assessor's office um, not only more transparent, but also brings that integrity so people don't fear right. the assessors. Right. You know, I had one old lady, she's elderly lady, tell me that she didn't want to paint the front of her house because she was afraid the assessor would come by and reassess the value and she wouldn't be able to afford the new taxes. Right. Um, right. And I thought, well, wow, that's that's not that doesn't happen. And it's I'm sad that she felt that. And I would like there to be that public outreach to let people like her know that that's not how the assessment works. And the assessor is not going to reassess your value and tax you out of your home right. because you right. paid your front door. Right. Yeah. I think I think that misinformation is so prevalent yes. and, and particular when, you know, rumors get started. And I heard from a friend and somebody said and mm -hmm. all of that is really, really troubling, especially for our seniors who are so worried about those taxes. And, and what you said about appeals, I think is so important because so many first time home buyers 
just they don't have anybody in their family to ask about an appeal. They just get something from the government and they pay it. And they they don't have that transparency to know if it's accurately assessed. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and or know the process. What right. was the formula used? What they don't was even the know it's possible. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I want to do is have that that public outreach, you know, even, you know, kind of like a county civics course for the general public Mm -hmm. to know what this county agency does and how it um, works within the confines of the rest of the county agencies. Now, I I think that's really great. You know, I I have a master's in public administration um, outside of the, the political science. And that's the only reason I have any idea what the assessor even does. (laughs) I I can't tell you I'm actually I'm introduced sometimes by elected officials who introduce me as the tax collector the tax tax assessor that's a separate separate elected office right exactly exactly the assessor has nothing to do with taxes other than assessing the value or managing the assessment of the values so I do want to talk a little bit more about about what you talked about transparency needed the media doesn't usually cover what happens in the assessor's office, doesn't make the papers, uh, the tax collector doesn't usually hit the papers. And so we get a lot of information about the sheriff's office, about the district attorney's office, about, you know, when there's cronyism or nepotism going on. Do, do you see that as a candidate looking closer at these office and office holders? Do you see that permeating our county in these offices? Uh, yes. And, and let, let me, so let me first explain the, the assessor doesn't have the legislative power that a lot of elected offices have. Mm -hmm. The assessor doesn't legislate, doesn't enact policy, doesn't enact law. The assessor, um, however, is a very, very powerful seat because it comes with 3.2 million constituents, 3.2 million citizens in Orange County is you know basically behind the voice of the assessor it's a very powerful um seat because of that however it's also a, a seat that doesn't get a lot of attention because the the current assessors that we've had for the last several four or five decades have been kind of hiding out just kind of you know sitting in their seat right. and hiding out not really doing anything because right. they have a staff that does everything there's no big you know media uh, attention, you know, given to it. So it's a, it's a comfortable place to hide out. However, the assessor has that voice and has the ability to support, sponsor, and advocate for policies and legislation that benefit, I, for in my perspective, would be to benefit everyone in Orange County. And as the next assessor, that will be my plan, is to support, sponsor, and advocate legislation and policy that benefits everyone in Orange County, not just the elite and not just the few at the top, but everyone. And that brings me to first time home buyers. I'm as a someone who understands the mortgage industry and has worked my entire career in in real estate, housing and lending. I have gone to our lenders, the major lenders, uh, Chase and um, United Wholesale Mortgage and Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and U.S. Bank, and I've asked them, help first-time home buyers achieve their dream and realize home ownership in Orange County. And it's yeah. they it, it, if they were to allow first-time home buyers to have a 40-year amortized loan as opposed to a 30-year amortized loan right. without penalty, 
5% more people would be able to qualify for their first home loan. I'm also in this market that we've had, we've had a lot of um, buyers competing with corporations and cash offers. Right. And it's very difficult for somebody who has to rely on a bank to turn around a loan in 30 to 45 days versus you know a, an offer right. coming in from a cash buyer that's going to pay cash and close in 10 days. What I have done is I've gone to these banks and I've asked them and I've even met with Chase executives in person and asked them if they would do the same thing that they do for commercial lines of credit. It's called a letter of credit. And when a commercial company wants to buy goods from overseas or goods from another vendor, they get a line of credit. That line of credit is as good as cash. And what they do is they present that line of credit to the to the vendor. And then when the goods are delivered, they the money is immediately wired to that, that vendor's account. I'm asking the banks to do the same thing for first time home buyers or for buyers in general to offer them pre not only pre-approved, but already pre-funded letters of credit that they can use just like cash when they purchase a home. That, and, that would revolutionize the market right now. I have so many friends, will. so many friends who have lost, just put in bid after bid after bid after bid above asking price and never, never get the sale because they don't have cash. Exactly. And this would even and that they're playing moving out field. of the county. They're moving out of the county. Yeah, exactly. And and as the assessor who doesn't have the ability to pass a law, and there there sure. is no law that would be passed, but the assessor has the voice of 3.2 million people, which is very right. powerful to advocate for the lenders to do that to help people in Orange County. Because I want anybody who wants to you live in Orange County should be able to afford to live in Orange County, and we should do everything that we can to help them achieve that goal, especially the hardworking families in Orange County who work in Orange County and want to live in Orange County. Right. It, it pains me when I see so many people, you know, um, driving from, you know, the Inland Empire stuck in traffic just to get to work only to work an eight hour you know, shift and then turn around and you know, go back home. And if they could, they most likely would desire to live in Orange County if they could afford it. Sure. And now with so much remote work, you know, we will have people employed in Orange County who never step foot in Orange County. Their dollars won't be at restaurants. Their kids won't be in school. They won't be going to the movies or to concerts here. And so, you know, when you really think about the effect of pricing young folks out of the market, it mm -hmm. is devastating to our local economy. It, exactly. And and when I say I want to do things that, for the betterment of all of Orange Countyans, I mean to help people be able to afford homes is just one of those one of those things. Right. Now I don't have the magic wand to fix it. Sure. But there are small steps that we can take to start us on the road. And that right. would be that 40-year amortized loan without penalty, those letters of credit for, um, you know, to compete with the cash offers, you know, small things like that. And then also working with um, developers, working with the, you know, board of supervisors to offer more, you know, programs that um, would help people afford homes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I think it's crucial. Um, you know, and, and the rising cost of apartments means that people are paying more for their apartment rent than they would for a mortgage. Than they would for a mortgage. They don't get any of the tax breaks. 
you know, I was shocked when I bought a house and realized how much of the tax code is set up to incentivize and reward homeowners. And and that really disadvantages people in apartments who can't make the jump. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, you know, I'm not an economist, but I understand the mortgage industry. I I you know, thinking outside the box, I you know, they we there's a you know, a limit of how much we can write off on our mortgage and taxes for our homes. Why don't we offer the same write off of $10,000 a year for um rent? So, um, you know, for per dwelling. If you don't want to do it per person because there might be five or six roommates, do it per dwelling. Each dwelling can write off up to ten thousand dollars, you know, um, on their, you know, or offset their income with by ten thousand dollars in rent payment. You know, something outside the box like that. That evens that playing field and makes right. it equal whether you own your home or you're or you're renting. But I also believe that um, you know people should be incentivized and they should be able to purchase their home. It's part of the American dream, and sure. nobody should be left out of that American dream. Yeah, I think that that's a really important caveat that no one should be left out. Yeah, and and I and I know that when I when I talk about uh, the democratic values, and I know on my on my website I talk about democratic values. Um, it's it that's what I'm talking about. That's mm-hmm. what I mean by the democratic values with a capital D is it's that democratic value of protecting people's rights, protecting you know. Um, people, well, having equity, having be, being able to access and have equity in in our community, um, as well as doing what is in the betterment for all of Orange County. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to jump into office and you know have this utopia where I please everybody <laughs> or I do everything that pleases everyone because that's not going to happen. But I can promise that I will always keep in my forefront the. How does this how does this benefit everyone in Orange County? And, you know, when I go to some rallies, you know, a lot of people that perhaps are on a different ideology or from the, you know, the other side of the aisle, you know, will say, if I vote for you, what will you do for me? Right. And then I go to I go to the other side of the aisle and they always ask, if I vote for you, what will you do to make Orange County better? And that's the difference. And that's why I use capital D when I talk about democracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's an important distinction. Um, so tell me about your work with Universe Properties, because that sounds so interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so how that came about was um, after I uh, started, left First American Title, I started working um, at, at Merrill Lynch Realty, and I ended up working with people that were investing in apartments and, you know, small duplexes, you know, a couple of homes here and there in um, Orange County. And I started doing property management. So I opened up a company to do property management. And in that, I found a niche and a need for providing housing for senior citizens. I ended up partnering with Orange County Housing Authority because they were having emergency cases where they had no place to place senior citizens. And they, before they would just place them in convalescent homes or in right. you know different type of facilities where they didn't need it. These were active seniors. They just couldn't afford to live, you know, live right. in their place that was either sold or something. So Universe Properties was founded to basically for me and my company to start investing in specialized housing 
predominantly for veterans and for senior citizens. And with that, I was able to partner with VASH, Veterans Affairs, um, you know, uh, services and housing, as well as Orange County Housing, Shelter Plus programs, and able to start to provide permanent homes for um, some of these at-risk citizens in Orange County. And um, and then that, of course, I took that to Arizona. So Universe Properties was operating in um, California and Arizona and predominantly mostly um, within Orange County. Yeah, that's amazing, amazing work. Um, So for my students, owning a home seems like an impossible dream. A lot of their families have never owned a home. Um, Those who, you know, whose families did, it just, it seems like just impossible. And especially in Orange County. Um, So besides what we've already talked about, what message would you have for them? How can they advocate? How can they vote for people? What can they do in, in kind of their community lives and their public lives to, to, to make that a possibility? Well, who are the people, who are the people yeah. they can support? Well, the, the, the people they can support for that is um, I'm the board of, well, board of equalization has a lot to do with our tax code and lots to do with our taxation. So that board of equalization is important is an important aspect of that. Um, so I, you know, I'm a fan of David Dotson, um, for, you know, for board of equalization, but, um, I think that if people that it's going to take a team to start helping young people buy their first home. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, people start looking to their employers and say, Hey, if I'm going to work here at this fortune 500 company or this, or Google or Mm -hmm. Disney or something, you know, can you if assist me in in my down payment? Can you help me with a savings for the down payment? Can is there anything that your credit union can do to assist me in making sure that I can afford and get into a into my first home? And mm-hmm. I think with the forty year amortized loans, I think with some incentives from some of the employers and from the credit unions, I think there's could be a big gap that you know, could be bridged to help people achieve home ownership. And then maybe we go to the, there's nine new developments taking place right now in South County and Mission Viejo, uh, Ladera Ranch area. Why not go to those developers and say, Hey, not only, you know, a lot of people, you know, they don't like the word, they don't like the use of um, affordable housing or designating a certain percentage of affordable housing. They're afraid it'll bring down all their property values. But what about, going to those developments and say, hey, we're going to give you an extra incentive if you help a first time home buyer. Mm-hmm. For, you know, you get an extra, I don't know, a thousand dollar tax credit or something for every first time home buyer that buys in your community. Um, I think there's when you start to stack all the incentives from the employer to the credit unions, to the lenders, to the developers, um, and then possibly from the um, from the state and from um, local government as the county, county board of supervisors, I think then you can start to build opportunity for people for to achieve the the dream of home ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important, and and so few of, of our students really have that civic education to to understand the the places and people to lobby and talk to. Right. It's um, you know because. Most of the elected officials, honestly, don't quite, they don't, they only, they understand their niche or they understand a small aspect, 
but sure. very few understand the whole the whole picture of of um, homeowner of purchasing a home or right. in the lending process. Right. So the easy fix is always to throw out the branding of affordable housing. Well, right. affordable housing is a great brand, you know, label. But what does that really mean to to the to the um, first time home buyer or the you know the right. the, the end buyer? You know, what does that really mean? And that's why I think we need to have concrete um, avenues like I've just, you know, um, right. spelled out to, to achieve that. Absolutely. So another uh, another initiative that you have been a part of that I think is really interesting and I want to hear more about is the You Are Safe Here yeah. campaign and your work with LGBTQ uh, plus refugees. Refugees, yes. Uh, at the, and I, and the, the refugees that I work with are absolutely the most at risk on our planet. I mean, oh, absolutely right. the most at risk. Right. Um, and how that came about was I, you know, I started, re- you know, looking into some um, allegations that were made, things that were happening in Africa, Afghanistan, and um, in right. Syria. And I started to, I was appalled. I mean, I was appalled at a video I'd seen that was then, re, you know, quickly removed from uh, mm-hmm. social media of a man being burnt, set on fire and burned alive for being gay. Right. And I thought, in what world do we live in where this takes place and, you know, in, in the 21st century? And I started to um, work with refugees in camps and I started to hear these horror stories. The, um, you know, sex tourism to, um take advantage of right. refugee is appalling to me. Um, the uh, abuse that a LGBTQ plus person receives in a refugee camp is appalling. The okay. sex trafficking that's taking place, the biasness and the prejudice and homophobia that um, I had experienced and witnessed while advocating for these people made it my position okay. to help them. And the United Nations and the U.S. State Department came to me and says, we don't have enough communities to resettle these people in. And I said, well, let me help you identify and find places to resettle them then. And so I went around the world and all in the U.S. and major cities and asked the mayors of Berlin, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, San Francisco, Long Beach, and asked them if they would identify their city as a you are safe here so I could then go back to the United Nations, go back to the U.S. State Department and say these are identified areas that you can resettle LGBTQ plus refugees in. Um, and that's how you are safe here was was born. Mm-hmm. And um, and then in our last administration, when we halted our um, you know resettlement of refugees, I went globally to our allies and became uh, friends with the administration of Justin Trudeau in Canada and started to get them to take in more numbers of LGBTQ Mm -hmm. refugees. And I was even recognized by Pope Francis for my um, work. Um, That was, um, you know, that was a nice little correspondence with with the Pope. Um, And now I've decided that it's, it's time for me to bring my passion for humanity and my knowledge of the housing sector to work for mm-hmm. in my community in Orange County. And that's why I'm running for Orange County Assessor. Yeah, I, 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 I love your ideas and your concrete plans. Um, so 
so what's the closest to Orange County that we have a you are safe here uh, refugee acceptance? Well, um, all the cities they, they've never they've never given me formal designation, um, but they've coupled some of the cities like Long Beach, especially Long Beach. Long Beach would be would be the number sure. one, um, closest to us. Long Beach has uh, partnered this and coupled it with the Transgender Day. So Trans yeah. Day and the trans rights have now have basically they've they've um, mirrored the two. So the languaging for you are safe here mission has is basically been adopted by the um, trans um, gender rights and the trans um, safe um, designation as well. Um, I would like to see you are safe here grow but I'm okay with it being coupled with the uh, trans um, gender uh-huh. rights and, and safety. Well, I have a couple of friends on city councils around our County that I think I may have to uh, talk to about expanding it and, and, and being public and transparent about it. I think that's important. Yes. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, um, I made history in the ballot statement. Um, first time in the history of orange County, LGBTQ plus is mentioned in a candidate statement. Uh, um, is that true? Yeah, I, I I was told I was told that 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 was wow. true. I don't know if it ever has been in Orange County. Wow, I'm I'm going to have to do a little research, but unfortunately, I believe that you are likely accurate. Um, <laughs> that in 2022, it may be the first time. Which yeah, there's a whole universe in that statement. Well, and it was important for me to mention that in in the statement because Orange County is changing, and I I think for the betterment. I think for the you know we are now the old guard that has um, perhaps, um, you know, kept Orange County behind the orange curtain, that that curtain is starting to open up. And I think that there's people are starting to see the light of humanity, the light of human rights, yeah. the, the light of equality and equity. Yeah. Um, and if I can be just a small part of that, it, you know, it, it would be a blessing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've talked on the show before and I've talked to my students before that, you know, symbolism and representation matters because we need symbols and representation that, yes. you know, I long for the day in the future where, where we don't have to, that it's not um, important to mention because it's so accepted, because it's so routine, because it's so universal, um, but we're not there yet. And these no. symbols and representation are crucial to to have the pride flag fly over a city hall matters because of the symbol and the representation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even for, for my young students who have never experienced, uh, you know, anything but acceptance in their families, in, in their communities, um, it matters that they see that. And uh, for those of us who remember a very different Orange County, it matters a lot. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, I don't know if in my lifetime, but hopefully there'll be a day where we won't have this conversation because it will just exist. It will right. just be. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the direction but, but, which Orange County is now going. That, yeah, I hope so. I, You know, give, given that we're having a whole conversation about reproductive rights that I thought was well, solved um, yeah. 50 years ago. Uh, who knows? But who who thought fight. that was going to. Well, a right. lot of people thought that was going to creep up. And here's and, you know, I, I, I am um, endorsed by Planned Parenthood. And I will tell you the same thing that I tell told them and I tell everybody, I have absolutely no business discussing your reproductive rights. I have absolutely no business telling anybody 
what they should do with their bodies. I am the last person to ever <laughs> that should ever be in that conversation. As a politician, I have absolutely no business having that discussion. That's between a person, their doctor, their family, and maybe their clergy, not the politician. Right, right. Yeah. That's I, just I, how I feel about it. That would be wonderful to spread a little bit further. Yeah. So at the end of the show, I ask people questions and get to know you a little bit better. Um, yeah. What's the best advice you've ever got? Best advice I ever got was actually from, from Pierre Salinger, who oh. I like to call my friend and mentor. Um, and Pierre Salinger, who was, he kind of, you know, was the forefront of presidential, uh, you know, secretary of communication. Um, and Pierre Salinger told me that leaders don't become leaders until they find their voice. Um, and I'm paraphrasing how exactly he said it. I'm sure he said it much more eloquently. But um, leaders are not just born leaders until they find their voice. Once they find their voice, then they can go and lead. And I didn't quite understand what he meant by that, you know, 30 years ago when I met him. Um, but today I understand what that means. You, we have, you have to first find your voice, whether it be through the arts, through, you know, um, writing, from speaking, from running for office, teaching, Whatever it is that you do, once you find your voice, that is so powerful for you then to be able to lead and to become a leader in the community. And I think that's what I've what I've been able to finally start to achieve is I found my voice and now I'm able to take my voice out to help others. Right, right. And and I see that so much as particularly with Gen Z, this young generation who I just love and admire and and draw so much inspiration from is that I think so many of them find their voice um, leading for others. That the same idea of how do I make Orange County better? What can I do for other people? How can I help others? And and I think it's just a community spirit that um, we it's, so it's desperately the, need. It's that democratic uh, value. It's yeah. it's the it's the democratic value poking through to our new generation. Yeah, absolutely. What's a book you like to recommend to people? You know I the Michelle Obama's uh, book uh, become uh, becoming or become uh, by Michelle becoming, Obama yeah becoming you know and and I I read that and I was like wow it it it's the grassroots you know she wasn't somebody that was looking to be in a political you know family or a political life but it was understanding the family value the fit not family I want to say family values but the value of the closeness of the family wanting mm -hmm. to do more and better for society and for, yeah. you know, for people. And I just really enjoyed the book because it came from, a, it really, for me, spelt out the American dream, you know, the American dream. They're very, very intelligent, well-educated, you know, couple, but what they did with that was, you know, was, was tremendous and always yeah. coming from a point, I believe of trying to do um, do better um, for their community. Yeah. And, and, you know, as somebody who's read, I think every, you know, biography and memoir of a president and a president's wife, um, I found it to be number one, so well-written, yes. um, which is not always the case. It, her, um, it, 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 perhaps better written than her husband's. <laughs> almost always. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The, the first lady's books are almost always, um, better written, but her honesty and vulnerability I mm -hmm. think just stunned me. 
Yeah. Um, and and I, I so appreciate that, you know, after eight years, 10 years, however long um, in the public eye that she took, you know, hit after hit and an attack after attack and criticism after yeah. criticism that she could still be so honest and vulnerable. Um, it just is amazing. And, and a lesson, I think for, for, yeah. for those of us who, my, you know, my favorite. And, and as I said, you know, I, I don't want to be in the arena. You know, T- Teddy Roosevelt writes that great speech about the man in the arena deserves the credit. And I, I would like very much not to be in the arena, but <laughs> Um, every every campaign and election cycle, I just am reminded again how grateful I am that people are, are willing to step into the arena and take those criticisms um, and and take the attacks from opponents. So um, it's yeah, not it's not for great. everyone, uh, but yeah. my for me, my purpose and my desire to do good in this community outweighs the um, the any of the. Yeah journey the, the 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 ups and downs or the struggle um mm-hmm. of being in the arena um because my end goal of being elected so that i can you know um be there for the yeah to help everyone in orange county is is much greater than that yeah and and i think when when the promise of that the, the work that you can do when elected mm-hmm. has to be the driving force yes yeah so is there a hopeful message you can share with us um Find your voice and always uh, give, you know, uh, ask what you could do for your for your, um, you know, county, for your community. Um, You know, there's I I think that for me, it's always um, ask what can you do to make the world a little bit better Mm -hmm. and always look to find um, a voice to be able to speak up for those who may not have a voice to speak up for themselves. I love it. I love it. So finally, who should we talk to next? You know, I am a big fan of Michelle Bell for Superior Court Judge. I just talked to her. Did you? She is. Yeah. Michelle Bell. I met her on her very, very first speaking engagement. We were at um, Unite Here 11 um, asking for the endorsement of the union. And I met her there and I was like, wow. What a fresh perspective coming from a uh, from a defense attorney's position and somebody who had been, you know, a public defender who's now a commissioner sees the judicial system in such a refreshing way as opposed to somebody coming from the, um, you know, from the uh, prosecutorial um, arena. Right. And to and and to be a person, a woman of color and to be able to um, come from a place of compassion and also fairness. Right. Is, it, to, I, she she every time I talk to her, I'm blown away. I, I was struck by the same attributes and values. Um, and, and it's one of the reasons I strongly am endorsing her for seat 30. Yeah, um, same here. And, and, and I, you know, I. I see that there are five candidates in the race and it's going to be tough for anybody to get a majority. So she is likely to be in the marathon of a runoff uh, to November, but that also means that we have more time for more people to get to know her. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that she'll make the runoff and uh, that we can introduce her to the rest of the County that hasn't gotten a chance to meet her. Right. Yeah. I think, I think she's uh, would be a tremendous asset to orange County and to our, judicial yeah. system. 
I, yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I, you know, I was really lucky to meet with a lot of the candidates who, who, uh, you know, if elected are just really going to work together to improve our, our, our County. Um, and, and, you know, the same things that you're talking about of being more transparent, being more open, bringing the community in, opening up the doors rather than closing them tight behind um, them themselves, I think is, you know, this kind of new era that I'm hoping we're seeing in Orange County politics. Um, finally, we've been waiting for it for a very long time. Um, yes. and, and the opportunity to vote for people rather than against other people is refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. And um, best of luck on the campaign trail. Well, Jody, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to A Slice of Orange. I have an incredible production team that makes this possible. So thank you to executive producer Aaron Wadka, the season two editing team uh, that made us all better. Alexandria Kim and Sydney Gimple and starting uh, for the end of season two and my season three uh, production crew, Jackson Henry. Thank you all. And thanks for listening.